Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Frederick Uncut. I am your host, Colin McGuire, and today we are deviating from our standard format to look back at the flooding in May, which caused extensive damage throughout the area, and to look forward to what, if anything, local government can do to better prepare for such floods in the future. I'm joined now in the studio by my colleague, Alan Etzler. He covers county government for the Frederick News Post. How are you, Alan? I'm doing terrific. It's so good to be it's here with you. It's great to be here. It's better to be with you. Okay, sure. we'll, we'll sure. move forward. Alan, now, uh, why don't we begin real quickly with a broad overview of what the county experienced on May 15th? Right, so, so as of today, um, or as of this recording, I guess we should say, it's been a month since uh, we experienced the flooding. And um, it was uh, a Tuesday evening last month when we received uh, between 9 and 10 inches of rain um, that occurred over two nights. But on Tuesday the 16th, the, we received about 7 inches in less than three hours. Um, and County Executive Jam Gardner, when she was talking, uh, said that um, the region received roughly the same amount of rain in the storm that caused historic flooding in October of 1976 along Carroll Creek, and that storm lasted 16 hours. So this was the same amount of rain in um, less than a quarter of the time. I have decided to enact a state of emergency in Frederick County. So in a a county survey that was sent out to residents, uh, residents self-reported more than $16 million um, in damage, and that that applies to uh, four different categories, residential structure damage, residential property loss, um, business or nonprofit structural damage, and business and uh, nonprofit uh, inventory loss. And there was also more than $6 million done to road infrastructure. So this was a, a pretty devastating storm to the county and the city. Well, ironically, you and I were not working that night. Uh, there was somebody, we actually had one person, at least one person working that night. And, and that person is uh, our producer here on Frederick Uncut, also doubles as a photographer. Hello. At the Frederick News Post, Graham Cullen, uh, who joins us now, I think, for the first time on the microphone? Uh, sure. Let's yeah, see that. Yeah. That's a lot of... Well, I mean, you've done... I've, ye- I've yelled across the room. Yes. Yeah. Very angrily at there, me before. Usually it's because you yes. do something I've asked you not to do. So t- <laughs> <laughs> All the time. So take us back to that night. I, I don't recall that night at all, and I'm sure you do. At oh, what yeah. point yeah. Do, you, do you realize... I'm going to go out and I'm just taking a camera and I'm going to go find what I find. Well, um, let me basically start from before the storm. Um, I had an assignment at uh, the Red Horse Inn. Uh, I, was in, I was actually in the kitchen well, photographing. I to go there. Yeah, I've never eaten there. Either. My parents mm-hmm. met there. Really? Mm-hmm. Really. They have steak, right? They're like a big steak place. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was photographing the steak. chef, the, the cook <sighs> making a steak. Oh, man. But, but yeah, so when I, uh, when I left... Um, it was just a completely different scene from when I walked in. When I walked in, I could mm-hmm. see the clouds kind of rolling rolling in. But when I came out, um, the rain was coming in sideways. And mm-hmm. I basically had to beg for a plastic bag to cover my cameras so that I didn't destroy them. Um, got to my car, completely drenched. And from there, I'm just listening to the police scanner. And um, it wasn't long. I think it was maybe on my way back to the office that uh, there was a call for a, a lightning strike in a house fire in Middletown. So I actually was trying to align myself to get out to Middletown um, when 
some units got on the scene and were like, hey, it's, you know, it's really nothing, nothing evident. Um, so then I decided what I wanted to do was find a place in the county where I could get people running like out of a shopping center or something to their cars mm-hmm. in a downpour. Mm-hmm. So I went to the uh, uh, Westview movie theater and set up shop, had my cameras all ready. I was watching the radar, seeing it come coming straight for me. And before I had the opportunity, it had just started to drizzle. I guess that wave of rain had hit downtown Frederick and uh, the first big call that came out was uh, for um, a, a couple so kids on stuck tables. on a picnic table. Children stranded on a picnic table from flooding conditions. Nine India, um, nineteen forty-one. Like a playground, and um, stuck as though they needed like stra- help. Yeah, they were yeah. stranded, stranded on a uh, on a picnic table, and uh, so that was obviously pretty major. So I hopped back in the car, heading heading toward that. By the time I got there. The units had already left the scene. You know, these these things move obviously pretty quickly. But from there, it was just one call after the other in rapid succession. We actually brought in another photographer, Bill Green. So we took sort of opposite ends of uh, the city. Between Heather Ridge Court and Pawnee Avenue, flooding conditions. Divert Market Street for the second water rescue of flooding. And it was just a whole bunch of whole bunch of people getting trapped in the water. I myself had to drive through some water that was. Did it ruin your car? It did not ruin my car. Uh, I, were I went, worried about getting stuck. I was very worried about getting stuck. And the only reason that I went through the water was because I saw the car ahead of me, which is about the same size car, got through. <laughs> so I was fairly confident that I wasn't going to get stuck because that would have ruined my night. When you're hearing all the calls, how do you differentiate between, I'm going to go here, wait, now I'm going to turn around and go there. What like Were there some things that you knew no matter what else you heard you were going there because it sounded pretty bad? Yeah, anytime you hear um, that someone needs um, the Swift Water Rescue Team. Okay. Um, you know, we have a couple units in the county that have like little light, um, light boats that they can deploy. Anytime they're put in action, that's generally something that we're going to sort of put priority toward. Now you did you you made a photo that Alan and I'm I I'm glad you said made made well I know Thank if you. I didn't Thank you he doesn't allow anyone to say I know if I, I would know. have said taken or you snapped yeah, I don't, you shot I don't a take photos. photos you make photos make so them. I I was very specific there Thank you. very mindful I know my guests okay <laughs> Alan uh, that happens it made the front page of the paper. Can you made, made the front page of a lot of well, yeah. regional websites made, too. Yeah, my heart too. <laughs> so okay. what what happened? Where just take us through that whole process because I'm sure anybody who's listening to this reads the paper and I'm sure they've seen the photo by now. Right. So uh, that photo was made uh, at the intersection of North Market Street and Schifferset Boulevard, basically right by um, Governor Thomas Johnson Middle School, and. Um, my colleague was downtown at another rescue. And so we realized that, you know, uh, this one's going to have to be mine. And so I go through that standing water, actually not, not exactly standing water, but um, it was Rosemont Avenue was flooded over. Mm-hmm. I was a- I was able to get through that, went up and kind of came in the back way uh, to that, that area. Had to go through yet more water to get there. And then I just found an empty parking lot that was kind of close to where I could see the the uh, fire, uh, fire engine sirens. And, um, I basically had to, uh, take my, my phone and my watch out of my pocket and off my wrist, throw it, you know, into the passenger seat. And, um, I think I grabbed an umbrella that 
failed uh, within the first like three <laughs> seconds after getting out of the car because it was pretty windy. Uh, so I only took one camera because that was the only one that I had uh, like plastic protection for to keep it dry. Mm. And I just, you know, I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm going to be wet for the rest of the night. Uh, so well, I, I would think you would have known that at some point, right? Well, you can with only a big enough, it so much. Yeah, with a big enough umbrella, though, you hope that you can you can stay relatively umbrella dry. Umbrella in one hand and a camera in the other. I've done that. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. But so yeah, I'm just I'm running through a downpour uh, toward this scene, and um, you know trying to jump over as many puddles as possible so I don't ruin my shoes. And uh, I get on the scene, and um, the only reason that I was still able to make a photo there was because there were just so many people that had to be rescued. Usually these things are over really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, uh, I think there were six people that needed to be rescued from two cars. So it was, it was the simple fact that there were so many people that had to be rescued that actually provided me the time to get that picture. But yeah, I actually wasn't even really able to see through the camera very well. That's what I was gonna say. It was like that kind of, it sounds like it's just point and shoot and hope. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> Yeah, put yourself in the right. That's what I do every time I take a picture. So, no, not take, make, make. Well, I take them. (laughs) They don't really get made. Uh, Let's talk about what's you know what that photo is. So, for folks who may not know what exactly what photo we're talking about, it's a it's a young boy Mm -hmm. being carried um, by a a firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, And it looks like from far away, and I've talked to you about this, it almost looks like there's a smile on the kid's face. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mention that because I I believe it was, was it you that tweeted at me? It was another reporter. I think it was Kate Masters. Okay, someone someone tweeted at me. Uh, So when I got back to the car, I knew that was was the image. I wasn't going to, I basically wanted to get that photo filed before I moved on to anything else. Um, And there was nothing else that was, you know, uh, pending that was super serious so I had a few minutes um, and uh, so I, I was able to download it to my phone and you know my phone I can do a fair amount of work on a photo on my phone but it's still kind of small um, I had no idea from just glancing at it that initial time that the kid's actually smiling in, in the photo <laughs> so he was having kind of a good time with it but but yeah it was it was maybe just a few minutes after that that uh yeah someone tweeted back at me he was like is that kid smiling (laughs) kid's gonna grow up and be a firefighter because of that experience well that's true so well go ahead alan what so i don't know if you want to move off the the pictures but but i'm curious you know after that what is what is the rest of your night like and when do you when do you kind of just say all right i've i've done enough i'm not going to get anything better i'm not going to get anything more and as you're, you know, traveling throughout out the county or the city, are you, do you take in how much damage that this, like, do you realize how much damage that this, this rain is doing at that, in that moment? That early, no, um, I, I didn't realize the scope of the damage just because all I was seeing was basically stranded cars. Um, I wasn't seeing, you know, washed out bridges or anything like that. Um, but the rest of my evening after that was sort of hopscotching from place to place, finding where there's still, you know, flash flooding occurring. There was one out by uh, Fran- or, um, Fredericktown Mall uh, that I went to next. Um, and uh, so after that, I had another assignment um, at uh, the, the mosque here in Frederick. Went back to file everything as quickly as possible because deadline was, was approaching. It was already after 10 o'clock. 
Uh, and I think I got maybe two photos filed, the, the most important stuff, before we started hearing that there was a mark train that was stuck in floodwaters mm-hmm. and that the uh, passengers had actually moved to the second floor because at the time they actually thought that it was going to enter the train. So right. it sounded pretty serious. So, um, you know, I was back on the road shortly after getting back to the office and that kept me for another two, two and a half hours. What time was your day done? Uh, I think about 1 a.m. Did you have anything for dinner? It was probably a protein bar. Oh, man. (laughs) When you're, you know, making photos of these people, um, what are their, what are, are you taking in their reactions or how they're acting throughout, you know, try either, you know, being rescued or just trying to frankly just get out of the rain? Yeah. I mean, most of the time when I, um, at least for this incident, uh, incident, when I would arrive on the scene, <clears throat> it's sort of calmed down a little bit. Um, and, and this one, there wasn't, we didn't see the types of rescues that we've seen in the past where, um, there was a, you know, legitimate fear for, um, life or limb. Um, cause we have seen those. Um, but in, in this case it was, um, it was people just trapped in the car and, you know, um, for the most part, I didn't hear of um, cars being swept away with people mm-hmm. still occupying them. Um, you've been here a while. Is this the worst flooding incident you've covered? It's the worst flooding that I've seen uh, in downtown Frederick. Um, I think when Superstorm Sandy came through. A couple that, of years ago. Right? Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. We had... Um, we had some people that had to be rescued from the Monoxy that that one could have turned really bad. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So that one stands out in my mind, but that was, you know, that was out, uh, outside of the city. This one, this one was the first time that I've driven through water in certain parts of the city that I'm just not used to seeing flooding. Downtown. Were you scared at any point? I was scared that I would have to have my car towed. That a couple were, times. Were you scared that your car would die? Well, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just you know, like all of a sudden, one, I mean, that happened to a lot of people. I saw. I well, it they happened were, to our publisher. Oh, did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm very pro um, not risking your life for your job, mm. and uh, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> how do you, how do, you <laughs> how do you reconcile you know the the need to do your job and the need to you know to get these photos uh, and and cover this story with like also not putting yourself or your car in in jeopardy? Yeah, it's. Um, that's a that's a really good question, and um, you know, I, I certainly don't want to put my uh, my life uh, too at too much risk. I think my kids like to see me generally uh, when I get home most days. But um, generally is a key word. Generally, yeah, <laughs> it, it depends on kind of uh, a couple factors. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's you know, in this in this instance, I really didn't feel. I never felt like I was, you know, putting my my safety at at risk, but um, I certainly worried that my car would have to get towed. That's yeah. that's the worst of it. I mean, can you expense that? I was going to ask that. I think I think you can. That's a good question. I doubt I it. <laughs> I doubt it. Up to five thousand dollars, you can expense anything. Here. Can I hold you to that? <laughs> yeah, it's we said it on a podcast. So that's got to be true. Yeah. yeah, that's all right. Well, I mean, I'm good. If you're good, Alan, what do yeah, you think? I, I do you think, think Alan, was... do you think we should have Graham back on someday? Uh, maybe. It was, no. he was horrible. He was horrible. Uh, generally, his kids like to see him. <laughs> that so. probably depends on if he brought food. 
That's true. Or where it's from, you what type some, of food it is. You've got some growing kids. That, yeah. yeah. I'm happy fed. generally with people when they bring me food, which never happens. But that's beside the point. We're going to move on. Graham, thanks so much for telling us about the photo, about your experience. My pleasure. And now we're joined by our colleague, Mallory Panuska. Uh, and you did a lot of work on this uh, sort of after the after the aftermath, I guess would be the correct word. Can you walk us a little bit through the reporting that you've done since uh, the flood happened? Yes. Uh, last Friday on June 8th, um, went around with the mayor and uh, Becky from the economic development office and I uh, went to a few businesses downtown that had experienced flooding. Uh, one, um, the first one we went to was in Delabelle um, on, because it's East Patrick Street. Um, owner Ashley Goldston kind of talked about what um, happened at her business. Like it completely flooded out. We, um, we walked down in and it's like down below ground level. So it's like a basement business. Sorry for your Thank you. situation. Thank you. How is the recovery going? Um, I mean, everything is cleared out. Um, what I initially thought, like what my damage would be, actually grew enormous because like the product that I took out and tried to like look over and clean was contaminated. And for my business, I can't have contaminated products since I'm dealing with the eyes and, you know, like eyebrows, eyelash extensions. So um, it definitely tripled than what I thought so that was a big blow but like the biggest thing for me right now is business interruption was this the result of rushing water from the street oh yeah coming in surface water the day that we um got here that morning slash night um the door was just completely bent from the force wow and you've been down here how long a year and a half and this is first time you've ever experienced anything like this. This is the first time here, yeah. So, I mean, when we got here, the water was, well, like you could see a distinct water line um, clear up over the electrical outlets. There was about like three to four inches of standing water when we got here at 2 a.m. Just basically everything from the front of the shop was pushed way to the back. I, I admire your um, resilience. I've always said I've got great um, respect for, you know, sole proprietor, small business people because it's not my, it's not the way my mind works. <laughs> so um, th- as much as you have to invest in your own business and then to have something like this be just one more, one more thing to deal with, I, I can't imagine. So it's all, just, all power to you. you, you it's, it's clear there's, uh, you know, high level of resilience to be able to sort of weather this. So you can clearly hear from the mayor kind of the shock of the damage that this that this flood caused to her business. And if I understand correctly, this was three weeks, about three weeks after the flood when you were when you were on this tour. And she's still not open yet, correct? Yes. Um, I believe she said she's going to open the end of this month. But she's, um, I mean, she's rebuilding. She's still not open. It was completely empty when I was in there a week ago. And so she was working to get it back open, but it, it takes time. <laughs> right. And, and so there's other businesses that, that you visited, and can you tell us about the, the next one that, that you went on that have, they, they've had kind of similar troubles? Yes. Um, next, we went next door to Vinyl Acres. Um, it's a record shop. There's a lot of records and stuff in there. Um, we talked with the owner down there, and this is actually the second time he has experienced flooding. 
Michael O'Connor. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. So what is what is what you have here now represent what you had before? Is this is this, this is the is this new inventory uh, or is yeah, this a lot of this is new inventory that I've you know we've um, my wife and I um, you know and and the partnership put together a um, a GoFundMe which has allowed us to pay ourselves to stay open or at least stay in business and also to replace the inventory we lost we filled a dumpster with records and wow. 45s and CDs Plan C Plan D. Plan C is to no longer store anything under the tables. Uh, rented a storage space, so everything, as far as backstock, will have to be kept somewhere else and not kept here. Are you up and running again? No. No. We're, our opening date is the 23rd. The building never leaks. Except the, for when we get... Except for when the road floods. Yeah. I mean, you can see, if you stand up by the door, you can see that the, the crown of the road mm -hmm. is actually higher than my step. And so when the road floods... The lowest point is me. And the drain, first of all, couldn't handle that amount of water anyway. But it clogs right away because of all the, the debris. Because of all the debris. Yeah. The water builds up on the door, you know, to head high, forces the door open. You can see where it split the jam. Um, forces the door open, it just comes in. And I've thought of something that the only solution that I can think of to stop it physically. And I, I, I haven't really presented this to anybody because I don't know if it's doable or affordable or anything else. But um, if we could get, let's see where the railing is, if you actually had matching brick walls on either side. Instead of the railing, had matching brick. And then every day when you leave, you take a steel plate and you slide it down in a groove. The YMCA, after the flood in 2015, did that in the area on their building where they believe the m most significant water breach came in mm -hmm. 2015. It didn't work. Well, it did, it did work. That, oh, that, that construction kept the water out from that breach point. The oh. problem was it worked its way around the building and found another low point and came in. Yeah, but, but see, for us, that's the only entry. Right, right. If we could do that, it would totally resolve the issue. Because all you have to do is drop the steel plate in every day and you never have to worry about it again. The, the conversation that we've had in a number of other locations, and, and we know we have to at least look at it because I, I think there's been this conversation that these floods are rare. And they yeah. are, yeah, generally, but <laughs> if they're going to become less rare moving forward, and, and everything that I'm hearing is that it's not that we're going to get a lot more rain but the rain events are going to be rainier and the drought events are going to be droughtier. And so it's, it's more extremes. And that's see, that's the thing. I just read that yesterday about the hurricanes. The other thing with the hurricanes is that you're going to go slower. So they're more destructive because the water is the most destructive part. We can have incredible thunderstorms that dump an enormous amount of rain on us. If it only lasts an hour and moves on. And right. If it's not, if it's not six inches in two hours, the system can handle it. Exactly. And, I don't, I don't think there's, it's, it's not terribly reassuring to people when you tell them the system worked exactly the way it was designed. I, I believe that. It, it, simp I, yeah, it simply it wasn't designed for what we, of what we experienced, but I think it's incumbent upon us if we're going to experience different things to begin to look at what do we need to do from a redesign standpoint. Right. Is there mitigation that we can work with property owners on, particularly those who are in areas where we know with an event like that are more likely to be severely impacted. Right. Wow, that's a lot of records.
That's that's a lot of a lot of stuff lost there. So that that's very sad. Was there anything else from your time at Vinyl Acres that we weren't able to hear that that was sort of interesting you'd like to share? Um, yeah, at the end, um, Bob, who's the owner, I don't know if I said his name, he um, was selling, there was a box of t-shirts that were sitting there and he was selling t-shirts um, kind of to raise money to help him like get back in business and everything. And both the mayor and Becky, who was going around with him, um, they each bought a t-shirt for $20 and wanted to support him. He was wearing one and it was basically just, you know, Final Acres survived the flood. <laughs> and um, and he said that he's had a lot of people supporting him through that effort and he also has a GoFundMe and everything so he's um he's trying to get back and to where he was before now you had one final stop i do Mm -hmm. believe on your tour uh where did you guys go after vinyl acres we walked over to um magoo's on west second street uh jennifer doherty owns magoo's um she used to be the mayor she ran for mayor against um mayor connor in the last election uh, she lost in the primary, and she's also running for a state senate right now. Um, her biggest issue was just she does not believe that the stormwater drains are clear the way that she's been told that they are clear. And she kind of challenged the mayor a little bit on that. And um, the basement of her business, she said, floods, you know, every time there's a heavy rain or a flood, and she wants it to stop, and she's pretty frustrated with it. And um, she thinks something should be done about the storm drains. She wants cameras to go down on them, and she's pretty... Pretty adamant about that. And the mayor had a response. I think there were... He, he did. My, my po- no, my point is that we will do everything that we need to do to get the answer. At some point, we have to we have to figure out whether we trust the answer or not or whether we have to go another step. So one of the things that we're undertaking, um, particularly out in the Y area, because it's a large drainage area and we've, we've seen these impacts, is the commissioning of a, of a study to take a, to let outside folks come in and take a look at what it is that we're trying to accomplish in that drainage system and figure out are there are there mitigations are there solutions are there fixes that we can put into the system we're committed to trying to do that and we're committed to doing that wherever we've seen the impacts with with the funding that we've got available and if we have to find more funding to do more areas then we'll find more funding to do more areas so mayor o'connor mentioned um the the stormwater uh, study which um the city has budgeted for it's been about three hundred thousand dollars he anticipated having the budget for um, but he also acknowledged the prospect of spending more money if more money is needed but l- let's turn to let's shift gears to um the existing infrastructure and the issues that people have had maybe not so much these low-lying businesses but um other folks yes uh it wasn't just rainwater going into people's basins that was the issue during this flood um the wastewater treatment plant also had some flooding issues, and um, the evening after the flood, um, people were asked to conserve water to kind of, like, limit the amount of water going into the wastewater treatment plant, and they ended up having to divert some of that water. And so we went out to the wastewater treatment plant um, earlier this week and talked to Superintendent Stona Cosner, and he kind of explained some of the stuff, like what went on during that event and kind of what they're doing to make sure it doesn't happen again um which they can't do a whole lot but they're they're trying to do some stuff so you kind of explain like basically exactly what happened that night so then you have three biological reactors and they're about 1.6 million gallons a piece they're 15 feet deep they'll only handle so much flow they're only built for 23 million gallons a day so i was pushing at one time 30 million through the plant 
so I got to try to save the biology as well. I can't just, because that'll just wash all that out into your effluent. So you have to do different things. I mean, you're here around the clock. I was here around the clock. Just you, you go from one basin to another and you move biology from here to there. You're just trying to, to work with it and, and save it. Inside the plant, the goal at that time just becomes, I got to be able to, to maybe not meet permit, but at least save the plant to where when I flows start coming down and I come online, I'm, I'm meeting the limits uh, of what the, the permit says. I don't want to kill the plant, then we'll be out a couple of months trying to get the plant, plant reacclimated to, to take care of it. So once you start backing up your system and manholes, you're kind of bypassing anyway. It just becomes, you're almost like a stormwater station. Really, it, all in all, it was a horrible event, but it wasn't it wasn't real, real bad for what could have happened. I mean, you know, you can see, you can see a ton of water going throughout the city, and yeah, we did start backing up some stuff, but that was the worst event I've ever been through. I've been doing this for 30 years. Well, it looks like the problem won't be solved by adding additional capacity, correct? Uh, yeah, that's basically what he said um, at this point. All right. Well, that's all we have for you, Mallory. Thanks for coming by. Okay, well, thank you for inviting me. So now we're joined by our reporter, Hannah Dellinger, who did a lot of the night of reporting, but also the day after and the days after reporting. And so can you tell us a little bit about your experience uh, in the following days after the flood? Sure. Uh, The day after the flood, uh, Graham and I went to Fagaville. Um, This little pocket of a neighborhood had been completely devastated uh, by a flash flood. Um, They were uh, behind a creek and I guess two creeks conjoined and there was just so much water it washed out um, the foundations of two garages, um, and one one couple in particular, they were really affected by it. Um, the worst is that my chickens are gone. My chicken coops are gone, everything's gone. The neighbors told us it comes from the back and, you know, will flood the backyard, but we never expected it to come from the front. Mm. And there was so much water, and it was so fast. And it seemed to just all catch in that low spot there, and it. Mm. Oh gosh, that's really tough. I'm really sorry. Mm. And you guys are expecting a baby this summer, or no? We were gonna try. No, we were gonna try for a while. Okay. But I don't see that happening anymore. Sorry. I looked at my policy, and they say no flood, no storm surge, no shoes, no dams breaking, nothing. Within a matter of two hours, it was raining, and then it was destruction just happened. Mm. Nothing we could do about it. And it almost came into our house too, mm. so lucky that it didn't get in the first floor. But it that, that's our good. Crawl space. If my parents live right down the street. Okay. Yeah. We stayed with them last night. My dad okay. picked us up. He got his Hummer through the water. Oh wow. Um. So. He wants us to stay just to see if the house is okay, but I honestly don't ever want to see that much water moving that fast. And we were just watching TV and turned the volume up. I called my mom. She's like, just drown it out with the TV. <laughs> and we heard a bam. And it's the garage. Just... Oh, my God. But the scary thing was, it's like a movie. You could not see because it was pitch black. But uh, once the lightning hit, you saw a split second of horror, water gushing, the garage collapsed, and then it was gone. And then you waited for another bolt of lightning, and again, just that split second of 
horror. Wow, that sounds pretty traumatic. Uh, Was there anything else you learned about the neighborhood? Yeah, just a couple houses down. um, There's a man named Ken Eiler that owns an an electrician company, and his entire shed was flooded. He said he lost about $150,000 worth of equipment. Um, He also had a Ford Focus in his car that washed away, and they went searching for it, and still, almost a month later, they haven't found it, have no idea what happened to it. Wow. That's... So if you find a Ford Focus, call Ken. (laughs) It's fair enough. Well, thank you, Hannah. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So, Alan, now that we've heard all of this, I think that there's a lot to be discussed although we don't have much any time at all to discuss it but i think one of the big takeaways is that we uh at this point it's not the idea of a hundred year flood is wildly inaccurate because it's not 100 years it's not every 100 years in fact it it's not even every 100 months so. right yeah i mean you see what ellicott city just went through and and i think you know if we're going to continue to see storms of this magnitude um cities and counties and municipalities and um, all of these places are going to have to really take seriously uh, the harm that these can do and what these business owners are going through and, and come up with solutions in the future. And I think that's going to be, you know, we heard from Michael O'Connor, and that's that's the challenge now is everybody's looking for a solution. Yeah, we also heard from uh, Bob from Vinyl Acres who said it would be really, really hard to go through this a third time. And I think he kind of summed up the entire situation perfectly. I don't think I could do it a third time. The first time was hard. This time, it really knocked me down. Because, you know, now every time there's a thunderstorm, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, I have to rush in here. Yeah, we want to stay. We can't afford to move and we can't afford to quit.